Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the party, Leslie. Thank you very much. How you How you been? Been great. How about you? How was your Thanksgiving? Mellow. Oh, mellow. How was yours? It was good. It was like pudding. How so? Um, it was kind of fluffy. How was it fluffy? Uh, I don't know. It was kind of moist. <laughs> what do we have a moist Thanksgiving? Uh, I don't know. There was a lot of tears. Oh, there well. was a lot of like like uh, a lot of whipping. A lot of whipping. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking, what was... kind of crazy Thanksgiving did you have? Well, it was like I was here. I thought you were here. We were here together. You should uh, make sure that this is not going <laughs> okay. to okay. okay cancel. All right. Um, that's going to start playing. So you're okay. going to want to you're going to want to do that so we can respond to the guest. Uh, anyways, it's Sunday morning. Uh, it's eleven thirty. Yeah, late morning. Uh, we're we're here at the deep end. We have some catching up to do, so we'll do one this week, and then maybe we'll do one okay. next week. Sure. I don't know. We can see. But there's a lot of works out. fun happenings going on. Did you want to? Well, I ha- you know I think the internet wants to talk with you about your your perverse habit of wanting to wave at women. <laughs> there was this really wonderful <laughs> video that showed up on. Twitter. Well, it was actually audio. Right? Spa- audio. Yeah, it was audio Spaces thing. and Karadansky had to take me to task for something that I when was doing. When did you say that to her? It was like years ago, right? Uh, it was a couple years ago. I interviewed yeah. Karadansky, who's a radical feminist. Yeah. And we just want to make sure we yeah, can do, do it both it. at I'll the same time. There, there. we go. Yeah. Oh, no, keep it playing. Just, oh, just mute it? Just mute it. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> okay. I don't know this stuff. Okay, so there's some delay now. Um, but yeah, so Karadansky, I interviewed her. It was a really interesting discussion. Yeah. And it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Because... I don't know very much about her, really. And I don't, it's hard to talk about people who aren't in, you know, present. So yeah, I well, just I just want to make sure we're fair to. No, yeah, I want okay. to give fair. She just, she thinks about the world in a certain way. And it's a feminist Marxist perspective where. Is that what she would say? The goal of feminism is to liberate women from patriarchy. And that was the... Is that always the goal of feminism? That is... In our conversation, I wanted to understand what that meant. Liberating women from patriarchy. Okay. And she does a lot of work liberating women from patriarchy by being a lawyer and she's she used to be involved in women's uh liberation front Mm -hmm. and uh she, she does a lot of women's rights agitation or activism and or and women's uh advocacy at this point in time is very fraught because the trans rights activists Mm -hmm. want to liberate everyone from gender right and liberate everyone from from sex and from the determination of Mm -hmm. sex Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the women can't claim their rights without without those stable sex definitions and stable sex-based rights Mm -hmm. so the women's liberating women from patriarchy has the the same tools of liberating from the superstructure the same marxist Mm -hmm. rhetoric the same Mm -hmm. marxist oppressor versus oppressed therefore we need to change the system in a top-down manner has been 
has gone through the course of this dialectical, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a synthesis, uh, antithesis, or uh, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, mm-hmm. and it keeps on going over and over and over in history. So it's this mode of cultural development that yeah. this one particular interest group wanted to go so far, yeah. but then has continued to roll with that same mode of development to a point that's not advantageous to that group no and the same tools are being used against them now because they 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 brought they brought the revolution to a certain point but the revolution has to keep going mm, okay. because it's a hegelian sort of we're, we're chasing utopia through this dialectical process and i have an uh interview coming up with this very sharp young woman uh, she's like 24. She's a biomedical slash lawyer uh, grad student right now. And she talks about the Hegelian dialectic in uh, more depth than I can get into now. And that'll be up. But mm-hmm. if you understand what's going on with Marxist rhetoric or with the dialectic, then you can start to make sense of different sorts of accusations or claims that seem very silly on the surface is silly uh derogatory like what could you give me something concrete yeah let's i'll give you something concrete we will i'm going to play this video and hopefully it works i had an individual interview with benjamin later in 2021 and that was a very uncomfortable interview for a number of reasons anyone can watch it you can find it but during the course of that discussion he said something along the lines of the following when he's out and about in the streets he feels compelled to wave at women he finds beautiful. And he doesn't do that because he knows that that's not socially sanctioned. And I felt a little uncomfortable in the moment that he said that during the interview. But as I was reflecting on that conversation, he, I think, told me that he felt sexually compelled to do something and the only reason he didn't do it is that he knew that thing he wanted to do not socially sanctioned and i remember thinking okay benjamin what's it called you want to do a thing sexually and the only reason you don't do the thing is not socially sanctioned there's a word for that so what do you have to say for yourself? Well, I want to hear your interpretation of that. Um, well, it seems like uh, I, I don't understand. It, by her tone, it sounds like she's saying this was this is something really deviant and really um, there's something perverse and predatory about the impulse to wave. And then you there's I guess this this thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. and you know that you shouldn't do it. And so you're kind of sitting with this dark impulse, and the only reason you don't do it is because you know it's not okay. It's not okay. But then when you look at what's actually being said, it's it's really benign. I mean, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see how you can... I don't know how you can frame wanting to wave at people because you're attracted to them. That's like a friendly gesture. I, I don't see how you frame that as predatory. So it feels like a drawing a false equivalency between the desire to wave and some really dark predatory act. Mm. Well, it's it, it's all, if you see the frame being switched, 
when he's out on the streets, which I love. <laughs> when I'm out on the streets. When you're out on the streets. And I have these desires that are not socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I suppress them. What is that called? What was it called? Did I, she ever say what it was called? I didn't called? get the whole audio. That's, that's all. That's all you it received? Was, it was just like this implication. What is called? Like, what is what that is called? What is it? I wonder what it's called. When you have this desire to do something that's not socially acceptable. I would love to hear what the answer is from her. Like when you when you want to spit on the street. And you don't. Yeah. Mm. When you want to climb a tree. Mm. When you want to... It's called self-control, isn't it? Like, I want to do that, but I don't think that that's appropriate in this situation. So I'm not going to do that. That's what it's called. Yeah. I think. It's inappropriate. Yeah, lots of things are inappropriate. Like one time you were on the street with me uh -huh. and you said, oh, the mighty works of man. Oh, gosh. And now when we're on the street. You say that. I say, you, oh, yeah. the mighty works of man. And people think you're crazy. <laughs> and I think I'm with a crazy man. <laughs> That's What's that called? Inappropriate. It's inappropriate. Crazy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah. It's. Yeah. But when I was talking with the right side of history yesterday. That's the, the young woman that you're talking about. The young woman that, mm -hmm. that I spoke with. She she laid out that the, the Marxist dialectic is about overthrowing the superstructure. There's this thing called patriarchy. Okay. Or capitalism. Mm -hmm. Or normativity in the case of queer uh, queerness. Mm -hmm. Queer theory. Mm-hmm that frames the world as every act that one person does reinforces either reinforces that structure or revolts from that structure okay and in the terms of sexual uh interaction mm -hmm. the man is compelled by a sexual desire to conquer the woman it's all power it's all power so i subjugate by my desire to Make a woman smile, <laughs> right? Like I'm dominating you and I'm pulling you. I'm, I'm treating you like an object. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm dehumanizing you into an object. And then you smile, not because you're pleased. But because I've been, I've been compelled into the social script. You've and been I'm being forced by the script. The script, the social mm -hmm. script, you're reinforcing the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm establishing a dominant. So dominance. with that framework, is there any way for people to have genuine interaction at all? That At all. it was really funny, and you were here, so this isn't just like a everybody stood and clapped moment. But this happened, and we were it was just so hilarious to me that I was called a sexual deviant oh. for suppressing the desire to wave it pretty, wave women. pretty, yeah. And there, there's something there too about talking about that we can get to later about um being desired and, and pretty and mm -hmm. stuff like that with the female psychology and and particularly vulnerable or unstable female psychology. Yeah. Um, but we were laughing about that. We went out shopping. We went to Trader oh, Joe's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The and little girl waved at you. And we walked out of Trader Joe's, uh -huh. and, like, the sun hit her eyes, and this little girl, like, waved at me and said, Hi! <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. That was cute. So she was expressing... Yeah. Like, what was she expressing? Like, what social script is she acting mm -hmm. out? That she's supposed to be... The gracious one. She's supposed to like like if a woman waves at a man and says hi, she's she's submitting to the man. She's like she's supposed to be she's being kind, right? Mm -hmm. That's be kind discourse in the Marxist rhetoric is like okay, I submit to you. I'm the gracious one. Mm -hmm. I'm the host, you know, and and you are the master, mm -hmm. right? So she's submitting to that script. If you read that as a script, mm -hmm. there's no genuine desire to connect 
with another human being and say, hey, you're a human being. We're alive. Mm -hmm. And this little kid who caught your attention, you weren't trying to say hi to this kid. We were just walking by and you were surprised by this little kid. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Like, (laughs) yeah. I was non-consensually greeted. (laughs) Well, it was pretty funny because it came right on the heels of that. It was right in it the... It was that same day. In the same... Yeah, yeah it was the same interesting. Of experience, yeah. Interesting contrast. Yeah. And then you said something about um, the dynamics of saying that if a man is expressing a desire mm-hmm. to uh, recognize women, mm-hmm. it's it's this... It's, it's, a, it's, a re, it's a reminder of the threat that a man always wants to connect with women and not just wants to be blind. Yeah, connect. yeah. There's that asymmetry of male and female sexuality. You know, speaking heteronormatively. I just got somebody told me I was being heteronormative online. Really? Yeah. Um, so what? I know. I know. I know. It's silly. We're it's being a silly heteronormative place. right it's a now. Silly place. But you know, speaking in terms of you want male to show versus more heteronormative. Uh, oh, you want to show your sure, yeah, look, look, look at how heteronormative we are. So. Yeah, speaking from that perspective, the male versus the female um, sexuality, there's the asymmetry of men having, generally speaking, that propensity to explore more connections, more potentials. And women, women, because of the, obviously, the different investment in offspring, Mm -hmm. having less of that compulsion not mm-hmm. that it's absent but it's it's less present mm-hmm. and so there's that constant pressure that tension mm-hmm. and so the man who wants to go out and wave at lots of pretty women is kind of a reminder that that's not that doesn't feel romantic to women mm. that doesn't feel special that feels like oh he's just you know playing the field yeah he's you know? cheapening his connection to you yeah i guess so by connecting with it's a reminder women. that men have that. I don't know. I don't, I'd be interested in seeing what other people think of that. Well, I think like archetypally or biologically about like the when when in the gender discourse uh, when when people want to use biology to deconstruct gender mm. and and uh, materialize gender, they inevitably go down to like there's the large gamete and the small gamete, mm-hmm. right? And throughout evolutionary biology, there's the, those who produce the large gamete, mm-hmm. which it's it it's a, it's a resource hog. It's very slow. It's this large thing, and then there's the ones that produce the little gamete. Mm-hmm. And so the little gamete, you produce a whole bunch mm-hmm. of them, and you just they're send them out. They're cheaper to make. They're cheaper, and they're being constantly yeah. made. Mm-hmm. And and then like you, this randomly, hopefully, mm-hmm. it, hopefully it hits one. Hopefully it hits mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. But I think that you can reduce gender down to that, but then you have to build gender back up from that mm-hmm. and say that this is actually a symbol mm-hmm. of a reality that informs womanhood, our, con- our social con- conception of womanhood. Um, that reinforces that mm-hmm. as a woman who is the one who makes a house a home, mm-hmm. right? The one who, who, who is the, the container mm-hmm. of life and makes life lived and rich and warm and, and decorated. And the man who is about the perimeter is mm-hmm. the one who makes life safe mm-hmm. and, and keeps the perimeter and goes out and gets the resources and brings them back. Like, I think that there's a psychology there that you don't have to necessarily collapse. This is the bad reading of gender where you collapse everything into a compulsion. You have to do mm-hmm. that. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas we're just naturally inclined and then socially mm-hmm. and then society reinforces that because it generally works in aggregate mm-hmm. when we when we reinforce this natural desire to do this, natural desire to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you have this thing called heteronormity, normativity, mm-hmm. which has created this concept of marriage and monogamy, which I think was a grand, like like a very beautiful um, way of uh, harmonizing those differences mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. tethering the man and tethering the woman in order for them to have a stable enough connection, which is socially reinforced, like mm-hmm. where the man's compulsion to, to, to be outward in certain ways is kind of restricted. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes the woman safe and, and her, her, you know, desire for, you know, multiple mates or her desire her other desires to, to be polyamorous. I think we all kind of have a desire to like be attracted mm-hmm. to a bunch of different people is restrained and it's concentrated. And within that human beings are, are able to be made that have a more stable home, right? Mm-hmm. So this, the home, the, the pairing of the two produces a platform for new human beings. And I think that you can't develop a clear understanding of sexual morality as it's been handed down to us by tradition without including the outcome of sex being not just personal pleasure or or pair bonding but also the creation of new human beings Mm -hmm. and so the creation of new human beings childhood family all of that stuff is as the unit of society Mm -hmm. is really foundational Mm -hmm. and that's the positive side now you can say Women are trapped in marriage. Women are oppressed by marriage. But to what degree are men oppressed by marriage, too? If you want to think in terms of oppression. Mm -hmm. And another thing, I don't want to completely ruin the interview with uh, the right side of history. But she said that the red pill people are basically using Marxist rhetoric, which is a zero-sum game, Mm. that the woman can't benefit without the man losing something. Mm -hmm. Like, everything's a zero-sum game. They're just playing it in in a different... They've just reframed it. They reframed it. Who's the victim and who's the oppressor. So men are victimized by the legal system. They're Mm -hmm. victimized by social pressures. Mm -hmm. They're victimized by the dating market. market. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, They're losers. Like, there's only winners and losers. And boiling everything down to that is it's really it's it's really tempting it's tempting and it's it's natural to think in terms of fairness mm-hmm. but when you think in terms of fairness too much then you stop enjoying the pie and you you start focusing on the crumbs mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. turn everything into crumbs that's interesting that's really interesting and so when you're waving i don't wave i suppress i suppress my <laughs> desire to wave so your desire to wave don't do it. Oh, it kind of reminds me of the, um, the, there was a Chris Rock sketch from a long time ago. How I think was, I know what you you're talking one? about. I think and I know what you're talking about. And he's like, women get offered dick all day long. Uh, all day, women are just getting offered dick. And he's like, he's, just, he may, he's talking about a guy offers to push your shopping cart to the car. And what he's really saying is, want some dick? And so <laughs> if that's, you know, if we're using Chris Rock, then this is like, I'm waving five penises at you yeah. i'm not just like it's like i want so, i want to grab you yeah, i want to well, penetrate yeah, you it's, it's a different i want to use you and right? so that's i mean that concept is is out there it's like i'm looking for you i'm seeing you as a potential mate i'm looking to to test your your willingness to yeah you know interact with me in this way
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. But when you read everything like that, and, and I understand, like, the desire to change one's behavior one once one is married like to stop playing the field to stop being a flirt and mm. that was really interesting in the beginning mm. of our when oh. we first <laughs> hooked up i i took i did a misstep yeah we, we have this joke um about oh. snack hose <laughs> no, you're gonna do this yeah well no i the, so, some female online <laughs> made this video about snacks and she spelled snacks oh, with two no. c's and it was kind of like she was playing around with what kind of snacks she likes yeah, and it's a flirty video i too. have this song about like let's talk about snacks baby yeah you do let's talk about chips it's and the sex cheese. song let's talk about all the yeah. apples and the oranges that we eat let's talk about snacks <laughs> yeah. let's talk about snacks which was an innocent song and and but it it was playful and innocent and i reposted her video and i sang that song like as kind of like this playful thing yeah. you saw that you're like wait who is this guy that i'm interested in and you're still we're still trying to case each other out mm-hmm. like our level of commitment our level of integrity towards one another and you're like wait what are you doing here i'm like oh what am i and i rewatched that video mm-hmm. and i'm like oh wow that that whole persona that i had built as a flirty person like it's something that i need to put away now it's not proper if i want to be in a relationship with leslie for some reason our our i already knew that our relationship was always already public Mm, and that it, that's interesting you were always already a part of my public persona i don't know how i feel about that but that's interesting. What What do you feel about that? The public thing. But, uh, I mean, here, we're doing a video right now. Ding. I know. I know. <laughs> I know there's Hi, irony public. in that. Yeah. But, yeah, okay. So I see what you're saying. And it was it was interesting. It was like, I don't, I don't know how to feel about this. I don't want to restrain you. I don't want to ask you to be different than you are in terms of your social behavior. But at the same time, I've come up against something that feels pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want me to do the yes, dear meme. No, you don't which is to, your favorite meme. Yeah, you don't want to cut off my testicles, right? Because <laughs> no, you want not. my testicles, but you want my, you know, <laughs> oh, you want, it's it's like the Jordan Peterson, like one of the best Jordan Peterson videos. He's talking about women's choice in erotica, mm-hmm. like what, what gets women off or what turns women on. It's like werewolves, vampires, and pirates, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they, they want a bad, a bad man that is good to them, that they, that they mm. tame. Mm. Like there's something That's like, interesting. so yeah. men like to conquer, but women also like to refine. I think mm. is like, there's a story of like, I'm the one who gets to refine him. And then for the man, it's like, I'm the one who gets to conquer her mm. and like to, to capture so, her. So heteronormative. Yeah. I think th- these are really powerful things that yeah, they're funny. Archetypes, yeah. They're really funny, but there's a truth there. And if you want to deconstruct them and say, okay, these are all power relationships, there is absolutely power dynamics going on. Mm-hmm. You do want me to 
can uh, have self-control for your sake. Mm-hmm. Don't you? Or no. Is that is that uncomfortable too? Like you it's want me to yeah. limit myself for the sake of you? Like as a, as a, as like a, a, a kind of almost maybe this is too far. Almost like I'm sacrificing myself for mm-hmm. you. I'm, I'm giving things up for you. Right. Maybe I guess this is interesting to try to tease apart because a lot of these things are feelings that are hard to articulate. Um, and that gets pretty personal. So yeah, I don't know how much I want to talk about that. Okay. But That's yeah, fine. that was an interesting little negotiation. Yeah. The snack. Discourse. Yeah. Snack hose, express hose. You guys yeah. have uh, bikini bistros <laughs> uh, where you're from. We have those oh, gosh. little uh, coffee shacks with like the lingerie girls oh, in yeah. there. Like, and we call them express hose. Yeah. My, express hose. That's funny because the first time I, my, we were in a parking lot and I had my sons in, in the back of the car and we, we looked over and there's this girl at, we're, we're at this thrift store and in the same parking lot is one of these burkini baristas. And, and so my son sees this girl standing at the window and just her bra and panties. And he says, why is that guy just wearing his underwear? <laughs> because they didn't know anything. They, they were kids misgender everybody for yeah. a few years. You know? And I just thought that was kind of funny because she was the most girl <laughs> that a girl could possibly be. And, and mm. yeah, but that's weird. Yeah. They're strange. Yeah. It's a strange thing that I don't think is a healthy. I don't. I think there's a lot of things that our culture is getting very wrong about sex, mm. and that's one of them. But you know, I mentioned the kids, and this was another thing that you brought up yesterday. Did you want to talk about this? You oh, were yeah. bringing up the single mother thing. Yeah, that was. You interesting. want to pre- uh, preface this? So, in kind of right wing Twitter, I would say, it's or that like same zero something you're talking about male male driven right wing ish. Um, kind of red pillish uh, discourse on Twitter. There's a lot of discourse around the single mother. There's a lot of, a lot, and that's part of a, another, um, I guess, discussion around female purity hmm. and the need for women. There's the body count thing. There's the single mother thing. It's like this, this that men voicing a preference. And then there's the you can't win as a woman, like the pearl thing. You can't win. You're going to get old. You're going to get ugly. You're going to whatever. It's just this really negative on women thing. And it seems like a bit of a backlash from the really negative on men, you know, mm-hmm. narratives we've been seeing. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the single mom one where it's it's a fate worse than death, marrying a single mom. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, there's funny memes. There's like dating after 21. Learn how to be a single uh, stepdad. Learn how to be a stepdad. Or yeah. or um, dating dating after thirty, mm-hmm. and then and then like there's this guy laying down in the spirit, um, going out of him and says, "I will not leave. I will not date a woman with children, leaving my body." You know, it's oh, kind of like there's yeah, that, the that dating, resolve is going away because you di- have to give it up. Yeah, you have to give it up. Mm-hmm. Like if that was a condition, like you wanted mm-hmm. to have, like. Mm-hmm no child involved in this relationship mm-hmm. or the child comes from you uh from you and the woman which um, seems to speak more to our level of relationship failure in in the culture there's so many people who attempt and fail to stay in a relationship so you got all these broken families yeah. and that's one of the I guess it's one of the realities. Some some of that discourse pins the blame on women. They want to play the field and have baby daddies, and then like 
then they see, well, actually, I need a steady man. And then they reform. Then they go, mm. they break trad after their relationship fails. Is that That's, really the narrative? I haven't seen that. I've seen, I've seen memes to that effect, but I also see when you saw that, you, we were talking about that, and you said, well, what if, what if the woman was chased and was a virgin, and then the man failed? Like, mm -hmm. what happens if the man Or even fails? isn't necessarily a virgin, but if you wanted to really go there, you could use that as the most extreme example. Yeah. Wish this thing would stay on. Yeah, I've yeah. got a lot of bright light shining. So what, <clears throat> as a, as a, well, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but you've dated, you've been a single mom. Yep. Before. Mm hmm And what did that, what was the psychology for you when you, your relationship failed and you had children and then you wanted to date? And like, what was, was there anxiety around having children or what did that change in the way that you looked mm -hmm. at the men that you were looking for? Yeah, I guess that, that's a good question. It's pretty complicated answer. Probably I, um, my first marriage failed when my girls were four and six. And so then I was a single mom and I, I dated a man for two and a half years who had four kids and he was a really good father, really involved, really um, dynamic and energetic and successful person, good provider. My kids folded right into that picture really well. So we just had our kids and it was it, it was really nice. But when that relationship did not progress and we, we didn't work out as a couple, sure. I was so aware of having dragged my kids through that. You know, there's something really painful about having them develop some kind of bond or some kind of figure in their life and familial bonds with those other children and then pulling them out of it. So I, I, um, I, I don't think that it's something, at least for me and I, for friends that I have had that have had relationships fail, it's not, it's not something flippant. I don't, I don't see this narrative that you're describing, uh, being represented of women playing the field and, and then wanting their cake and eat it too. And they're going to, you know, lay it on the feet of this poor man who didn't do anything to deserve to have to be responsible for these children. But here he is because he wants a partner and he has to accept that she has kids. I, I think that it's much more, uh, there's much more depth to the story mm -hmm. and much more humanity to the story. You know, there's a process of mourning the losses when relationships don't work, especially when you have children. So uh, it was something I took very seriously. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have uh, be a mother who had boyfriends, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for, for instance. I didn't want to date unless it was, it was going to be something serious. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to involve my kids in relationship after relationship. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. It's an it's open thing. And then I, there's a whole bunch... Of, that we can potentially talk about as time goes on mm -hmm. about like my role as, uh, as the stepdad now mm -hmm. and, and watching those relationships form with the boys and how, how they were a part of the relationship from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like that was a major part of my feelings was that the, the, what I was stepping into or what was I, what I was being offered was not just a relationship, uh, not just a girlfriend, but like, a woman and children and, and a family. Like I would be, I would be entering into a family. I would be marrying, uh, 
not just you, but I'm marrying the, the boys too. And mm-hmm. then when we did get married, like that, they were, the boys were a part of that when we were on our honeymoon, like, which was kind of just a honeymoon or, or vacation, not, or vacation yeah. or whatever, like, but they were part of that. They were part of that. Mm-hmm. And so every step of the way in our relationship, like we have a lot of time where we're just, it's just you and me. And we do a lot of like, you know, relationshiping one-on-one, <laughs> <laughs> but like the boys are always a part of it. And yeah. that is, my my love like i so why would i use that word love so my, my love goes to you and to them too and then my responsibility is for you and mm-hmm. for them too mm-hmm. and then my relationships is with you and them too and mm-hmm. then my bonding and my understanding is with you and them too and so it's this it's a very it's a broader relationship and i can see how some people would you know have uh, there's i just you know, people, I just don't agree with the really low level uh, discourse about like being like there's some sort of cuckery going on, you know, oh, like, yeah. Th- yeah, there is kind of like a like very shallow level. It's like, OK, I'm putting all this work and putting all these resources into like not my genetic inheritance. And there's kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm giving things that aren't necessarily returning to me on a genetic level. Right. Like, but it I, doesn't work that way necessarily in the in the depth of things in the and that's one of the things I think coming back, zooming back out, I think one of the, I guess, broad social concepts or, or dilemmas or, or issues of our time is the internet and how it changes human communication. And one of the things with all of these discussions and all these narratives is that you can't talk about wide groups of people without necessarily flattening them down. And so you're, you're, you're pulling out and trying to distill something that's the essence of a thing. And it just, just by definition, it, it loses the individual flavor of each life when you're trying to describe people as, as in group, as groups, you know, as representatives of a group. And that's my problem with identity politics or social justice politics or whatever. That's been my problem with this whole thing all along is that it, it tries to, narrow people down and flatten them to archetypes really and you lose the individual when you do that because there are so many different ways that people come into these things even though there are universals at play mm-hmm. so that's one of my i guess one of my interests right now is personally having wandered into the internet in this way over the last year of my life after having really been suspicious of it and keeping it at arm's length. Now I am interacting with it in a different way. And I, I think there are positives now. And that's that's new for me because I don't think I was aware of positives. I think I was resistant to seeing them because I thought the negatives were so prevalent. Mm-hmm. And these discourses are representative of those negatives, I think. People who spend a lot of time online, I don't think that they are the way that I watch people interact on Twitter a lot of the time, it's like, who are you talking about? Who are you even talking to? You have no sense of people. You don't understand people. You're just talking to images. You're just making icons out of things. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet there's potential for a lot of real understanding mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of paradoxical. Yeah, it's funny um, because... So my last video that I published on my channel was a live stream with Kelly J. Keen and Stella O'Malley. Mm-hmm. And 
I ended up not speaking. We can talk about why I didn't speak, which is interesting. You let women speak. Kelly's whole thing is let women speak, and I let women speak, and and then I'm 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 slandered and like well not really slandered but people like really go after me online for not speaking. They're like, why is he not speaking? Like, why is he there? What is he doing? Like, there's such suspicion of my ev- my every move. And if I had interrupted, they would have gone like, you're not letting women speak, or like you're being biased one way or another. And these mm-hmm. people are they're they're in the middle of a very intense conflict and mm-hmm. their their whole mm-hmm. thing is being really in conflict and we can talk about why they're in conflict and mm-hmm. different strategies and tactics and goals that they have and stuff but they're just in conflict a lot so mm-hmm. what what happened was there was all this conflict that was happening on twitter mm-hmm. and and kelly and stella got into it and then a bunch of people jumped on mm-hmm. on stella and then the, the whole thing with Genspect and the whole thing with philly phil mm-hmm. illy and like all this stuff mm-hmm. was just going on it was just people arguing and little taking shots at each other mm-hmm. and so my job has always been to like okay look at what's happening on mm-hmm. that level of discourse and then pull it out of there into the realm of of discourse of, mm-hmm. of conversations like mm-hmm. okay we're gonna treat each other as though we're sitting in a room together, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it's kind of virtual and we're here and there, like I've cultivated a space mm-hmm. in my channel where we're going to listen to each other. And, you know, maybe things are going to be kind of more debatey, but they're more about aimed towards understanding, mm-hmm. more aimed towards discussing these things. And so I took those, those women allowed me to, to host them having a dis- discussion. For some reason, I think that they felt that I was neutral and a positive. Mm-hmm. I have uh, connections with both of them that mm-hmm. we just like each other. We have we have this affability. We like each other, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean that we disagree or agree with each other, but we just like each other. And mm-hmm. I I uh, I like them, and they like me for whatever reason. So they chose me, and they had that discussion, and mm-hmm. they went back and forth. And you can look at the discussion, and you can see like there's different points made and different like kind of power dynamics. You can analyze the discussion, but it was really a discussion. They both listen to each other, and they both give each other time to speak, and then it becomes content. It goes from Twitter to, to discourse, but then after it's done, it's content again. And then it mm. goes back into Twitter. Mm. And so that was that That's clip that I played was people like going back and forth. And then there's all these comments and people like try to bring it back down into that conflict. Mm. And they're doing all these things. If you look at the comments on Twitter and on the video, um, on that live stream, oh, people gosh, are trying the live to... Stream was, the comments were horrible. The comments in the the live chat was just like people <laughs> yeah. were not able. They're they, still yeah, they incapable. To stay in conflict. Well, not incapable, but they're unwilling. Yeah. To not like just listen mm-hmm. and give Stella the benefit of the doubt. They don't want to give Stella the benefit of the doubt, and so they're mm-hmm. spinning these just wild narratives about like they have to create this thing. Like, okay, so Benjamin was there. Why was he there? Mm-hmm. And then there, somebody was saying, okay, what happened was before the live stream, Stella told Ben, because we know that that Leslie works for Stella and, and Ben works for Stella because <laughs> like our names are on the Genspect website in these uh, well, different capacities. Well, I'm just capacities. in a directory. Yeah, you're in a directory. In a directory. So, but they're, they're like, okay, so they both work for Stella. So they got to be on Stella's side. So Benjamin's not going to like defy his wife's boss. So he's going to do whatever <laughs> Stella says. So Stella said, Benjamin, shut up. And I'm just going to, I'm going to gish gallop the whole thing. I'm going to filibuster the whole thing. Oh, no. Yeah. It and was really you're like, silly. wait, you have no idea. Yeah. Like, and I'll say publicly, we got online, Stella, Kelly, and I got online 10 minutes before the episode just to check mics and stuff. And we just, we were totally. Just rapping yeah. and laughing and joking and like mm-hmm. just getting along, you know. And then when the episode started, Kelly took on her game face mm-hmm. and Stella 
put on yeah, her game everybody's face. Everybody's now aware of the audience. Yeah, and then the audience, and then we're in a different mode. But like, yeah. there was no pre-planning. It's like mm-hmm. I, I'm like, okay, I was gonna have Kelly on. I was gonna have Stella on. Like, yeah. what do you guys want well, to have? And they're it like, was oh, a good sure. Conversation. I think it was really good. I think it's really interesting. We won't get into the content of that, but. It's just, just interesting to say, to watch, you know, we can, we can go through chat now. It's interesting to watch the, the conflict go up into something that wasn't conflict. And then conflict is, is, and then the conflict takes that thing back down into itself. And no matter how much evidence to the contrary, that this was an uh, amiable conversation, mm-hmm. well, no, no matter how much evidence there was that this was an amiable conversation, the people who are in battle mode can't see that yeah they can't break no, out of their conflict yeah it's hard to be logical when you're emotional families have a lot going on let ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids and for parents try three new brainy chews to help you focus chill out or get energized Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's really difficult. And that's really emotional. It's hard to make treaty when you're in a, on a war footing. Like, they don't even want a treaty. Mm-hmm. They want to win. And that's mm-hmm. fine. That's The activists don't, don't regard the truth as important. They regard power and, and uh, winning as important. They mm-hmm. want to affect their will on the world. And that's what they've locked themselves into. And so it, when you want to do that, you're able to kind of get things done, maybe. Mm-hmm. But what you, what I think happens is that you lose out on the humanity. Mm-hmm. You lose out on the nuance. You lose out on the ability to be flexible, to see mm-hmm. things in more than... You can't see things in more than one way. Mm. Well, you can, but every way you see things has to be towards winning. You have to look at sex or biology as something that either helps me or doesn't help me. And so we'll disregard everything that doesn't help me about biology because it, they're in an inductive reasoning. They have their goal and they're going to filter all information through that goal. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think is so harmful about the way that we're teaching people this intersectional identity stuff is because it's teaching exactly that. It's teaching you to go into your corner and put put up your dukes and fight fight against and fight for and just be in this mode of conflict. Yeah. And it's conflict. it's great I think it's just endlessly funny or silly that it's all about liberation and emancipation but it locks you in it it's it makes you a slave to the revolution. Mm. It just like it totally like you can't be anything else. You can't mm-hmm. see a man waving at you. You don't have a choice as, as to how you're supposed to think about that. You have yep. to perceive threat. Can I say one more thing? Because this is really interesting. Yeah, is it something that's going to be I don't think awfully it's, personal? I, no, okay. I, no, it's okay. not awfully okay. personal. But when I go back and I spoke with uh, the Right Side of History TM, mm-hmm. um, she, she said something and it made me understand why in this case, generally speaking, the females who are on the side of women's rights... Mm-hmm. or women's liberation, whenever they encounter a woman who disagrees with them, 
or who doesn't think the way they they think, they call her a pick me. Okay, yeah. Like, and they're really misogynist against. That's the women. a new phrase. I had not heard that until maybe a couple months ago. They they see that the that their class as a class. Can you talk, define what that means? Pick me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically you're on the boys' side because you're going to get the boys' favor. You're doing it mm. for resources. Like you you didn't reason your way into a different way of thinking. So you're kind of cheating in in the game. No, you're 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 not being you're not aligning with your team. You're you switch sides. Well, you're reinforcing the oppressor. You're reinforcing okay. patriarchy. You're a pick me. You're like you're basically a handmaiden to the patriarchy. Okay, so that's and so that they they can't think of their way of thinking is so entrenched, and I think it's a really subconscious because you kind of just pick up on this dynamic that if you see a woman disagreeing with you, disagreeing with your goal of liberating women, she wants to enslave women so mm-hmm. she is a pick me she so what about the trope of the male feminist because that's treated the exact same way it's the exact same what do you mean i mean people will say a male feminist he's just there he's just telling them what they want to hear because that gives him access to women but doesn't he <laughs> so how if he doesn't then why does she i mean if how are they different Okay, how is a woman who doesn't accept the marxist framework or the conflict theory or the dialectic uh, pick me and how is a man who accepts that dialectic and subjects himself to the dialectic calls himself an oppressor and then prostrates himself before the before the before the desire to dismantle the patriarchy how is he not just the same as a because but he's are a there part of the elements system. of that system are there places in which that feminist dialectic does some have some points that are worth considering or is it all garbage I mean, is there, are there degrees here? Because if there are degrees here, then it's not so black and white. It's not just, oh, that's bad. And people mm-hmm. who associate with that are, are flawed. And so we can dismiss them. Well, I, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb. This is a really good question. I don't have an answer, but I think the man, like uh, the male feminist, he's not selling out his class. He's selling out his dignity. Well, isn't that the same thing with the, the pick me? She's dismissible. She's. She's selling out her class, but dignity has nothing to do with it. Why? Maybe dignity does have, because I think of it, I think of it as a woman being able to reason differently or to see things in more than one way and being able to see things in more than one way means that you're able to deconstruct that Marxist framework. And they're always the people who are in the Marxist collectivist framework. They're always policing their boundaries. They're always, that's why there's always this cancel culture. That's why perpetually every three to six months, this group of people go after me because somehow I'm, I'm helping them with their project by listening to them, by aiding them, by lifting up different voices that they think are allies. But then I, I aberrate from their framework or I exert my patriarchal power dynamic. Think about waving at someone. Yeah, I think about waving at something. They're always policing that boundary. And Mm -hmm. I think of the person who's the the female, let's say the female who looks at that and like, okay, there's certain things that feminism is good for and certain things where you guys aren't just, I just disagree with you. I don't think we should police dress. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should mind read. I don't think we should do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so she's able to to agree and then to to disagree. So she, she, she's, She's jumping that boundary, mm-hmm. and I think that that's the ability. That's that's a that's a good ability. Like that's a good ability. The man who who enters the framework 
and is not able to leap out of the framework. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's selling out not just his class, like like in the patriarchy. You're you're selling out the patriarchy by mm-hmm. by siding with the enemy. I'm not thinking in those terms. That's the dialectic terms. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that the man, in order to do that, has to see himself as a part of the patriarchy. He has to prostrate himself. And the only mm-hmm. reason he would do that is because either he's a weak man. And he's looking for structure, he's, or he's looking for, uh, he's, he's got some sort of issue, he's looking for approval, mm-hmm. and, or he's looking for getting in and being the, you know, like the... the having access the, to females. Yeah, having access to females. Well, could there be, I mean, I guess I think in terms of like form versus um, substance, or process versus content a little bit. And so could not both of those movements have some substance that's worthy of discussion that's being obscured by the objection to the process that's being used? And so could is it helpful to think about them in completely black and white? Oh, this is a valid movement. And so anybody who jumps on board is using their brain and their powers of analysis, and therefore they should be welcomed and... and uh, and cheered on because they're actually they're doing the right thing. This other thing, dismiss, just garbage. Everybody who's doing that, it's kind of that same black and white thinking. Well, if you, well, okay. So are you saying that you're talking about like the red pill men's movement, the kind of thing, right? How that has these Marxist elements. It's still it's taking up similar structure, similar bring up a good form, right? If I see if I see what you're saying, I, I I think that you're bringing up a good question. Like how do you how do you how do you not negate the negation? How do you how do you observe the dialectic and then not say that's the enemy, that that's wrong and mm-hmm. I'm right? And then you create the dial. It's like the tar baby. Like it's like oh oh mm-hmm. no. It's like you're stuck mm-hmm. to it. Like the dialectic mm-hmm. just muddies everything. Yeah. Um, that that's a really really good point. And so that's why I appreciate you and other people online when I get a little too randy. Is that randy? the right word? <laughs> that's probably not the word. <laughs> oh, God. When that's I, with your hand. You're handy, Randy. Yeah, handy, Randy, or Randy, handy. Oh, um, when I get a little too involved in the uh, in the discourse and the back and forth and getting um, getting attacked and then going on the defensive or going on the offensive, you know, I get locked into that struggle and then I start talking about feminists and I start talking about these GC mm-hmm. fe- or these radical mm-hmm. fem- these yeah. mad. You fems. start to do group identity. Yeah, and I start to do group identity and you're like, hold on, this is a part of the problem. I'm like, okay, well, I can't talk about it with I can't talk about this group of people without using a word. So mm-hmm. I have to use some sort of dialectical category, but I have to hold to it very lightly to describe that and then to allow any given individual that's behaving this way to break out of that. Mm-hmm. And then when they do break out of it, because eventually everybody does break out of it, then recognizing them breaking out of it, mm-hmm. not canceling them, giving them safety, say, oh yeah, look, there's other ways to look at this thing. There's there's cracks in your narrative. Mm-hmm. And, and not being so locked into that enemy, mm-hmm. that dialectic, mm-hmm. that, I, I, that I'm like, okay, finally, I, I won against you. Look, I'm just going to shame you. It's like, no, look, look, there's, yeah. there's a bigger thing. And so, so holding on to that dialectic lightly, engaging with it lightly, and, and always looking for fissures in it. And the fissure is always like the individual human being, being an individual human being, not just a marker of their oh. power dynamic category. I think whenever you start to feel righteous indignation and you start to feel like you you almost want to dunk on somebody. You've got this I'm right and I'm not saying 
you. I should have said I know, whatever. No, 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 no. I'm this, just, I think just, that it's time to kind of investigate yeah, and say, am I yeah. kind of falling into that same process? Because yeah. ultimately, I think the process is the sickness. I think that's what social justice ideology teaches is a sick process. It's critical mindsets, critical consciousness. And it's teaching you to look at people as if they're representatives of ideology or a group or something bad, something other, instead of looking. And I think that that's the, that is the thing that's contagious. Well, okay. So you just did the same thing. You just said, this is an illness. Okay. Right. You just, you just declared that there's something called health and something process, not the substance. And I think that you can apply it to all kinds of things that have substance. Like one of the first ways that I encountered the social justice thing was around race. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's, it's true that racial, there's racial tension, that there's racial disparity and inequity. And we've got a history that's really complicated around race with some groups of people really getting short shrift and mm-hmm. people having consequences of that throughout, throughout their lives, throughout generations. That's true. But I would say that social justice thinking and that ideology is the absolute wrong way to address that because it teaches a process of indignation, resentment, hatred, and guilt. And just it, 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 instead of, you could do different things with that. There's different ways you could address the problem. So it's not that the substance of the problem needs to be thrown away. And we just say, oh, this, there's no such thing as racism. If you, and, and I think that that's what happens a lot of times is these things get over they, they get obscured by the tactics that are being used. And this is one of the crit- critiques that was coming up with that whole, the whole AGP gate, the skirt gate, dress gate, whatever, the Phil Illy thing after the concert or conference concert. <laughs> We're going to sing about the genders. You're going to have a gender <laughs> concert. <laughs> I wish there was a dance party. I oh, really God. wish well, there was We had a dance party. Yeah, we did. So, um, but the, people were saying, you're ignoring what, this I read this several times you're ignoring what women are saying you're ignoring what they're saying and I and I uh I don't want to ignore it I want to talk about it I want to have a discussion about it but I I it's hard to see through the fog of the nasty comments you know when you're going for the juggler and putting somebody down oh you're going get the juggler (laughs) (laughs) he's thinking about things in more than one way get the juggler (laughs) Okay. No, it's it is it's really really yeah. difficult because they they use the tactics that try to lock you back into it. It's like no, you're the enemy. You're not listening to women. You're a pick me. They, they go for person. You try to abstract and say, okay, well, let's analyze, and they make it personal yeah. every single time. It's like he's a bad, yeah. and people are calling me a bad person. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a bad but, person, and they're like, well, how are yeah. how am I a bad person? Like it's a vibe. You dis you you, you ignored women. You dunked on women. I'm like, no, I disagreed, yeah. and I joked around because humor is a part of the way that I communicate because mm-hmm. humor signifies that we can look at things in more than one way. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, if you can't, but they, they keep on, they keep the discourse down mm-hmm. here. And mm-hmm. so even when you analyze it and try to break it down, then they're tr- always trying to collapse the discourse. So it's really, really difficult. And you have to just do your thing and let them do that thing. And eventually they'll either break out of it or they'll be right. Well, and, and I, get their way. I think the Whatever right thing is. is to, probably not pay so much attention to people who are arguing that way. Let them get it out of their system mm-hmm. and not address it. Because if you well, get we're addressing in it, it, it is, right now though. So it's well, just not, adri- too not, not get stuck in it. Cause you used the tar baby example earlier, but it is that you're going to get 
roped in. You're going to get in that back and forth. And you got to let people yeah. just, it's, and I, we were talking about like the Granny Yelp. Panties. <laughs> no, oh, Yelp. No, no, yeah. like the Yelp. Uh, Yelpification of. People. Yeah, it's like yeah. you only get, what did you say, fours and ones? Yeah. Because people who are just thinking about it or don't feel that strongly about it are not usually compelled to interact. People who are really incensed by what's happening are going to be the first one. The bad review is like the, everybody's motivated to do that. And fewer people are motivated to give a good review because fewer people feel completely on the, you know, if black and white. They're, they're not on the good side. They're, they're on the, there's usually a lot of ambivalence and then some really pissed off people. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to see an over-representation of the people who are upset about a thing. Yeah. And you don't see the, the what is it, the hidden majority or whatever yeah the silent majority the silent majority yeah, yeah. the two two and a half star review yeah set. Yeah. yeah three like, ah, yeah. it was okay but i don't want to like review yeah. it yeah i agree with some things i disagree yeah. with some things yeah 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 we should uh look through the uh chat for a few minutes thank you very much for uh joining us this fair day and there's quite a bit of people. It's like really nice, healthy live stream, 150 people. Yeah. Let's see. Um, so there's just a whole bunch of words. I'm just going to read the super <laughs> chat because there's one right here. Conversations with Helen Pluckrose upcoming. That is oh, a great is there? Uh, that would be great. I request. would I'd like to see that. I would like to do that. Jenny's getting inking with it. She's been on. She's been a follower and a, and a participant for many, many times. Um Wait, uh, the group identity stuff always reminds me of Hermie from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer wanting to be a dentist instead of a toy maker. Hmm. Is that from the, uh, I guess we should watch that again. Yeah. Because I don't remember You're that. going all the way back up. Oh, there's another one. Jenny, a few minutes behind and wow, her thoughts must all be pure. <laughs> Is that that it's sarcasm Wait, probably. I think it's is it about you I don't know if it's about, me oh it's, it's about Dansky. oh okay yeah, yeah, about, yeah. Uh, fancy Dansky mm. yeah I um yeah that's an interesting one so the I kind of mind reading around these it's things it's so like you're like well don't inter engage with these people like don't get stuck on the tar baby but it's just so like so hilarious to me and that's what that that it helps me understand. It's like okay, Phil wasn't just wearing a dress; he was wearing fetish gear, and he was subjecting every woman that saw him to his sexual fetish, and he was getting off on that. And it doesn't matter if he was or not, but because he's bent that way, we can read that. And so, and yeah, we, we don't need yeah, to get Phil again, but it's just like poor okay, Phil has yeah, been so like through this. So a hand wave is the same thing as rape. Yeah. Wearing a dress is, somebody actually said this on Twitter, he should be treated like a rapist. Yeah. He is raping people by wearing this. Yeah. And that is the level. It's like, so how, how do you it's get there? Just, and it's people just people are really upset and they're expressing their feeling. And I think it's, I think you, I think that's right. But I also think that there's uh, an aspect of the way that they think that causes them to equate, to limit their thing to this, and I think it does come from that dialectical mm. conflict theory things mm. like everything that a man does that's aberrant or sexual is by definition rape. It mm. is taking away from the woman because there's only a zero sum. There's only ever yeah. a zero sum. There's no connection. And, and that obscures the fact that there's a lot of nuance in Phil's behavior. And and it's and is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Is AGP a bad thing? Is AGP the same as pedophilia? Do you know what strikes me about all these things? Because even when we were talking earlier, uh, and you were drawing some archetypal, um, I guess, 
pathways. Yeah, kind of you were making generalizations about men and women and relationship and stuff. And one of the things that kept going through my head was disclaimers. I just think about all the, oh, you know, that's heteronormative or, but what about gay people? And what about, you know, just to, and what about poly? And that's, that's uh, suggesting that there's only uh, monogamy is the only way. And so all of the disclaimers, and I, I hear these online. I saw these in graduate school. This is a real big thing in our human sexuality study for, for applied psychology is just don't think anything's normal. Always have all the possibilities. Yeah. And, and nothing's better than anything else. And then you're talking about the um, the way that people responded and the, the, this these kind of ideas about male sexuality just being inherently predatory. And I just can't help but think, gosh, we're so brittle. People are so brittle around. They're so fractured around around sex and sexuality. It's just there's no flexibility. There's no yeah. there's no ease in this. It's yeah. it's this. And, and is that the Internet? Is that Internet culture? Is that. Is that because we're all trying so hard to distill what it means to be a person from these the wide swaths of people? Is it's, it something about modern connectivity and people who have broken away from what it means to be really engaged in small groups of people and are trying to engage with too many people at once? And so you can't help but flatten things down? Uh, you could also say you can pin it on democracy, too. Democracy mm-hmm. inherently goes into interest groups because that's the only way. If there's no monarchy then no oligarchy if it's democracy you just have to like you just have a bunch of different interest groups because the only way to affect your will on the public at large is to have a majority so everybody's like interest grouping um there's also i think that our lighting the, it's becoming almost unwatchable okay do you want to well we should we should well, we have one more minute but you want to close the blinds yeah i'll reach no. that um but you know when you go back to and again, watch my video. I'll post it tomorrow with uh, right side of history. Like there was sex positive and sex negative feminism. Mm-hmm. And so we either have like fetish gear in the streets or sex negative feminism, which means that women get to wear pants, but men don't get to wear dresses. Mm-hmm. Right. So women can do whatever they want. Is that can. what that means? Is that sex negative feminism? Uh, I, I, do, I disagree with sex that. negative feminism uh, as just uh, as a concept because it is a little too strict. But when you get somebody saying that me wanting to wave at a woman is in effect um, a sexual act that is oppressive, then that's definitely sex negative. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Feminism, um, but there's. I wanted like, to read this one okay. real quick because it applies. Susie Glucksman says, "If you know the research about paraphilias, especially AGP, you'd know it's accompanied by Uh-oh. others and tends to escalate. So our boundaries are reasonable and smart." Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of reason to be concerned with the way that that the culture is embracing sexual uh variation i i I don't know how to talk about this because i think it's something that is um there's so much divide on this like the the way that counselors are being trained right now i'll tell you is 
anything goes. Do not shame anybody. Do not kink shame. Do not. Anything is, everything is okay. Just whatever the, I had this, I've talked about this before, but my human sexuality professor in my, um, in my graduate applied psychology program talked about a client of hers that does scat porn. And the way that she talked about this was, well, you just have to be supportive and her example telling us this was that she almost laughed when he told her what he was doing. She said she had to suppress a giggle and then she had to work really hard to keep her game face on. And, and the, her whole story was they're going to tell you some wild things and you just have to be supportive. You just, and, and it wasn't about, wow, what does this mean about this man's life? Could this be the result of some kind of, uh, of sexual trauma? Does he have, what is, you know, where does this come from that he's doing this? What, what does this signify yeah. and yeah. and is it important to help him try to understand himself better about this? No, it's about support. Always be supportive of Affirmation all the therapy. things. Everything, everything is affirm. being affirmed, affirm. yes. Affirm. And so when people are saying, Do you understand about how these paraphilias escalate? And and I I would put pornography right in I mean, I would say that a lot of this is rooted in in pornography and that people tend to use it like they use substances where they escalate their behavior with it and it gets and so that's a whole nother topic which i i want to spend more time exploring but yeah mm -hmm. i do take that really seriously but at the same time as a as a culture and as a in polite society when you're in an event when you're in an event space when you're in a, a group how do you manage somebody how do you manage them based on i know your thoughts and therefore because i I know your thoughts or I know something about the way you think your behavior is held to a different standard than if I didn't know your thoughts because his behavior was normal. I aside mean, from aside his dress. from he wore a weird dress, but he was, his behavior was the same as anybody else. He was polite and he was um, intellectually engaged and, 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 you know, just acted appropriately for the situation. Wasn't trying to go in the women's bathroom, you know, wasn't doing anything creepy. Yeah. And so, it presents a question when he's wearing something that's strange, but it didn't cross the obvious lines that that are because you especially in that. And, and I know we're going back into it. And we need to get well, uh, get out of that. Can, but I'm just want to address that yeah. comment. Well, it's like uh, the slippery slope fallacy isn't a fallacy all the time. There is escalation. Mm -hmm. So uh, like like. It, like, does it necessarily escalate every single time? Does mm -hmm. every single aberrant sexuality escalate every single time? And then how do we say what's aberrant sexuality, what's not aberrant sexuality? Is anything other than the missionary position going to escalate into scat porn? Right? Like, yeah. to what degree do we know and can we predict somebody's future behavior based on the present behavior? To what degree of accuracy can we predict people's thoughts and, and future outcomes? Mm -hmm. And I don't think the research bears out that it always escalates. Mm -hmm. I don't think it always escalates. I don't think every uh, every pornography user. Oh yeah, I don't escalates. think that. Uh, no, and just like just like um, the what the just say no era, not everybody who smokes weed goes on to yeah, be the gateway on, drugs, yeah. on heroin. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's, of course not. I don't think that that's the case. Yeah. But I think that that's that's a pattern that we can observe and we yes. can discuss, and it makes sense to discuss about yeah. these things in terms of sexual morality, which is kind of the overarching topic i think when we're talking about agp agp for you and me i think i missed a i think uh, I, I put that one up but okay you know, go ahead and read it bet they think words are violence too so long as they aren't uttered from their own mouths 
That's mm-hmm. the other thing. I mean, so how do we do that? So I want to respect, I want to, again, I want to try to respect and the, those who are critical of Phil Illy and who were very suspicious of him. Um, I, I don't think unless you were there and you mm-hmm. felt uncomfortable in his presence, you really can accurately gauge him. And a lot of people have, so it's really hard to like disagree with people's um, opinions on this because there are a lot of opinions and people who are negative are paired up in my mind just because I have to sift through all this data with people who have really extreme opinions. And so I like, I want to be able to say like, I can respect a, a, I can respect a variety of opinions and I can kind of be wary of variety of opinions. Mm -hmm. And I want to engage with a variety of opinions on this and other things. So this um, is what you were talking about, I think. uh, Why does every aberrant sexuality have to escalate every single time? If some of them escalate and endanger women, why isn't that a problem? Hmm. Well, because I think you can't, police just based on the propensity or the potential for somebody to do something because everybody has the potential to do. I mean, I think you're ignoring human nature. If you, if you start to say, well, you're down the road from something that looks kind of, that looks potentially really bad. That's where you get to hand waving is like, like I'm, I'm, I'm signaling that I want to grope you. Mm -hmm. Like this is not about making connection or about appreciating Mm -hmm. your beauty. This is about me trying to get you. And like, how do you know that that's not going to escalate to me groping a woman in the supermarket? And this one, every man isn't a rapist, but we still keep all men out of women's spaces for their safety. Why not keep men with aberrant sexuality away from conferences? And I would say to that, how would you know? Is it only the ones that tell you that they have that? Because I know, I know from that there are period. people like, walking around to, with thoughts in their minds that would make people very uncomfortable if they were to speak them out loud. Yeah, why, you would you, never know. There's nobody stopping you from making a conference of pure thought people. Like we're going to have a conference for those of pure thought. That doesn't mean everybody has to do what you want to do. Well, like, it's I just, just like, how do you control? How do you I actually scale your I, will? I like this question because people? I think this is <laughs> like, a really important. I, I just think that what, what she's asking is this is a really important point right here. This. Oh, no, no, no. The good men and bad men. But it was the earlier one. It was the keeping people out of conferences. I think it's that is the crux of it is that you don't know. You don't usually know what someone's sexuality is. I just don't know. Just like you don't know people's private thoughts. And this, in this case, you have a person who has written a book about it. And so his thoughts are on the world stage. But, but that's the whole, we, we had this conversation and it's kind of late to jump into it, but this conversation around imposter syndrome, which was a a thing that kept popping up. I was reading things about imposter syndrome and I thought that's interesting because it's really that in order to be acceptable and appropriate and professional oftentimes or whatever the the situation is we we wear different facades we put on different guises in order to look most like the thing we're trying to represent and leave our messy inner stuff private and so there's that mismatch where you're aware that well maybe if you knew what i really think and who i really am and how you know, like somebody on here a little bit ago made fun of me for having <laughs> said third time's a charm. I don't know about that because we were talking about failed relationships. And so if you hear these things, are you going to think that I am that I'm not worthy because you're going to know where I have failed? Mm-hmm. And I think that the only if someone lets you in to their vulnerable private information, their vulnerable thought patterns, then you know something about them that a lot of times you don't know about people, but they still exist. They're mm-hmm. still there. Just because you don't see them 
doesn't mean they aren't there. It just, just means that the other person hasn't allowed you to see them. So there are other people, for instance, at that conference who are dressed in gen gender nonconforming ways, who have even done things to their bodies to make them look like the other sex in some cases. But those are not being told that they, those people are not, are not cast out because they haven't been open with their inner workings of their mind. And so I think that that's a really important point. I just think it, it mm -hmm. kind of comes down to you can't police people's thoughts. You can only look at their appropriateness well, of their I mean, actions. And then you can't tell other people what they can do. Like you can't tell like Stella O'Malley who built the entire thing. Like you did it wrong. Like, and what did you like? It's just like, it's so easy to sit there and piss yeah. on people. Like who's doing all the work? And like, it's just such like, mm -hmm. it's just like, come on. But this I, it's like a, they, they've done so much work and yeah. they've helped so many different people. And like this one little thing is like, oh, now I get to stand over here and lord over how over her. Like, but I just, I'd be wary doing that, that. I think there aren't, I think there are a lot of other people who yeah. it's the Yelp review thing. Yeah. 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 But you know, but you start your own conference. If you want to purify, <laughs> if you want to, well, yeah, cast the first stone too. Like, have you ever, never had a thought? Have you never had a thought? Have you ever had an impulse? Oh, wow, look at that. Pure as the driven snow. Pure as the driven snow. Well, if you're driven, aren't you pure? <laughs> I don't know. We should wrap up. Thank okay, you guys yeah, very much for this uh, afternoon uh, together. And I really appreciate the ability to be wrong in public. And I really appreciate Leslie having uh, the courage to, oh, gosh. to put up with my... Uh, weirdnesses and inappropriate <laughs> behavior when we're on the streets. <laughs> yeah, I know you're thinking about waving at those girls. Oh, the mighty works of man. <laughs>